the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2. I am Seth Leibson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. For those of you holding over from the previous hour, we will get right to you. Bear with us. Bill is in Apache Junction. Hello, Bill. Hi. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Okay. I think uh, my comment about the electric car uh, industry is there's one aspect that nobody ever talks about is the used car market. Okay. Um, let's say you buy a electric car for, you know, upwards of fifty, sixty thousand dollars usually. And after about, what is it? Five years, six years, you have to replace the battery system, which costs several thousand dollars, you know, in the neighborhood of five to $7,000. Okay. How are you going to sell that vehicle? Yeah, no, that's a good point too. That's a good point too. Yeah. It, it's, and then you're going to, nobody's going to want to buy it. Yeah. And so the value of that vehicle is going to drop dramatically. Precipitously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why would you buy a used vehicle if you know you have to put five or $6,000 into it right off the bat? It's an interesting, yeah, no, I mean, think about, yeah, it's, think about it. You'd think about these things when you buy a home or a condo, right? You think about the inspections and, you know, what, 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 what some of the, 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 the machinery, the facilities and uh, the equipment in those houses and condos are. You have to think the same thing about your cars. And uh, you're right. There is a battery issue. There is a battery degradation issue with electric vehicles, uh, irrespective of the mileage, which is also, as we were talking about with Amanda, limited, right? That's right. Yeah, it's a good point, Bill. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. Bless you, sir. Onward. Rich is in Scottsdale. Hello, Rich. Is Rich in Scottsdale? Do we have Rich? (laughs) I think he's in Scottsdale. Are you still there with us, Rich? I'll give you a count. I'll give you a five, a four. Check your mute button. Three, two, one. If you can't hear us, call us back, Rich. Um, sorry, we just couldn't hear you. In any event, call us back. Love to take your call. There was a another hearing that took place on Capitol Hill today that I wanted to talk with you all about, and it was really quite stunning. It was a quite stunning hearing that had to do with the issue of transgenderism and children. And it was uh, held by the uh, House Judiciary Subcommittee on Constitution and Limited Government. And when you listen to some of the Democrats talk, we live in such a different world, such an incredibly different world from they do. You had representatives like Jerry Nadler and representatives like uh, Mary Scanlon from Pennsylvania saying that these hearings are not about protecting children, they're cynical and dangerous political attacks on transgender children, um, that they, uh, Jerry Nadler was going off on how safe transgender therapies are for children, not only how safe they are, but how they are life-saving. And then you saw the testimony of these fantastically moving victims or what are, I guess, the term of art now for some of this is detransitioners. You saw victims of violence in the locker rooms. 
um, it was an incredible two different sets of dialogues going on. And I want to play for you some of it. I would like to start, if I can, with the most powerful of testimonies I've seen from Chloe Cole in her opening testimony. She is, well, she'll tell you here, but it's worth listening to. And CNN and the New York Times and most media won't give it the time of day. But it deserves much more than the five minutes she spoke. Thank you for being here and for your courage, Ms. Scanlon. Ms. Cole, um, you're next and you can begin. My name is Chloe Cole, and I am a detransitioner. Another way to put that would be, I used to believe that I was born in the wrong body, and the adults in my life, whom I trusted, affirmed my belief, and this caused me lifelong irreversible harm. I speak to you today as a victim of one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the United States of America. I speak to you in the hope that you will have the courage to bring the scandal to an end and ensure that other vulnerable teenagers, children, and young adults don't go through what I went through. At the age of 12, I began to experience what my medical team would later diagnose as gender dysphoria. I was well into an early puberty, and I was very uncomfortable with the changes that were happening to my body. I was, intimida- I was intimidated by male attention, and when I told my parents that I felt like a boy, in retrospect, all I meant was that I hated puberty, that I wanted this newfound sexual attention to go away, that I looked up to my brothers a little bit more than I did to my sisters. I came out as transgender in a letter I sent on the dining room table. My parents were immediately concerned. They felt like they needed to get outside help from medical professionals, but this proved to be a mistake. It immediately set our entire family down a path of ideologically motivated deceit and coercion. The gender specialist I was taken to, taken to see, told my parents that I needed to be put on puberty-blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son? The choice was enough for my parents to let their guard down, and in retrospect, I can't blame them. This was the moment that we all became victims of so-called gender-affirming care. I was fast-tracked onto puberty blockers and then testosterone. The resulting menopausal-like hot flashes made focusing on school impossible. I still get joint pains and weird pops in my back, but they were far worse when I was on the blockers. A month later, when I was 13, I had my first testosterone injection. It's caused permanent changes to my body. My voice will forever be deeper, my jawline sharper, my nose longer, my bone structure um, permanently masculinized, my Adam's apple more prominent, my fertility unknown. I look in the mirror sometimes and I feel like a monster. I had a double mastectomy at 15. They tested my amputated breast for cancer. Now it's cancer free, of course. I was perfectly healthy. There was nothing wrong with my still developing body or my breasts other than that as an insecure teenage girl. I felt awkward about it. After my breasts were taken away from me, the tissue was incinerated. Before I was able to legally drive, I had, part, I had a huge part of my future womanhood taken from me. I will never be able to breastfeed. I struggle to look at myself in the mirror at times. I, I, still, I still struggle to this day with sexual dysfunction. And I have massive scars across my chest. And the skin grafts that they use, that they took of my nipples, are weeping fluid today. And they were grafted into a more masculine positioning, they said. 
After surgery, my grades in school plummeted. Everything that I went through did nothing to address my underlying mental health issues that I had. And my doctors, with their theories on gender, thought that all my problems would go away as soon as I was surgically transformed into something that vaguely resembled a boy. Their theories were wrong. The drugs and surgeries changed my body, but they did not and could not change the basic reality that I am and forever will be a female. When my specialists first told my parents that they could have a dead daughter or a live transgender son, I wasn't suicidal. I was a happy child who struggled because she was different. However, at 16, after my surgery, I did become suicidal. I'm doing better now. But my parents almost got the dead daughter promised to them by my doctors. My doctors had almost created the very nightmare they said they were trying to avoid. So what message do I want to bring to American teenagers and their families? I didn't need to be lied to. I needed compassion. I needed to be loved. I needed to be given therapy to help me work through my issues, not affirm to my delusion that by transforming into a boy, it would solve all my problems. We need to stop telling 12-year-olds that they were born wrong, that they are right to reject their own bodies and feel uncomfortable with their own skin. We need to stop telling children that puberty is an option, that they can choose what kind of puberty they will go through, just so they can choose what clothes to wear or what music to listen to. Puberty is a rite of passage to adulthood, not a disease to be mitigated. Today, I should be at home with my family celebrating my 19th birthday, and instead I'm making a desperate plea to my elected, rep my elected representatives, learn the lessons from other medical scandals like the opioid crisis, to recognize that doctors are human too, and sometimes they are wrong. My childhood was ruined along with thousands of detransitioners that I know through our networks. This needs to stop. You alone can stop it. Enough children have already been victimized by this barbaric pseudoscience. Please let me be your final warning. Thank you. Can you imagine? Who are these monsters? If, you're not got, if you don't receive chills from this, it's not that you have a thinking problem. It's that you have a heart problem. You have a hardened heart, a stone heart. I'm getting texts from friends listening saying, this makes me so mad. That's the right beginning emotion. It should make you mad. It should make everyone mad. And Jerry Nadler says, nothing to see here, just a right-wing cynical ploy. He says, no lasting damage, life-saving. Listen to Chloe. Listen to Chloe. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. If you, um, if you didn't watch or catch some of this hearing today on uh, gender-affirming care for minors and the uh, use and misuse of bathrooms for child children and athletes based on the gender or sex they identify with, it is so very enlightening. And the Democrats, like Jerry Nadler, just dismissing it as right-wing cynicism that's going to cost the lives of transgender youth. You had the testimony of Chloe Cole, who's, as she says, a detransitioner. Doctors said you can have a dead daughter or a living transgender son. Who are these monsters? She said she wasn't suicidal at that point. She wasn't suicidal at that point. She became suicidal after the transgender therapies and the surgeries. 
What'd she say? At age 15, she had her breasts removed, David? At age 15. And lifelong suffering. How does Jerry Nadler respond to that when he says these are reversible changes with no no lasting, no life-lasting consequences? I want to spend just a little bit more time because it goes to the essence of who we are as a people and who we are as a country. And I want to spend a little more time with some of the testimony that took place today, too. This Chloe Cole, she was told at the hearing by a parent of a child, she was told at the hearing by a parent of a child, a transgendered child, that she and her position is cruel. Miss Cole was told, I don't know how you can hear that testimony and call her cruel. I want you to think about what it took for Chloe Cole to respond to that. And I would like you to hear her response. Bear with the opening part where she's not sure if she's allowed to respond to the witness. And one of the congressmen, I think it's Chip Roy, kind of guides her on the parliamentary procedure to do it. But it's powerful and it deserves its own airing as well. If I may ask, um, would I be able to address um, another witness? Um. Through the chair, you may. So you may speak to me and reference uh, any other testimony you wish to. Okay. Well, um, Mrs. Reynolds. And you can you can direct it to me and say that that what Ms. Reynolds talked about you want to respond to, and you go ahead. Well, I I I understood that um, Mrs. Reynolds is scared for her child, and. I just want to set the record straight that I don't hate her. I don't think anybody in this room hates her. Um, in fact, I, I see my own mother and my own father in her, and that she, clearly she dearly loves her child, and she's doing the best with what she's been given. And unfortunately, it's not much. And for that, I'm sorry. I mean, I think every parent deserves the most utmost grace and guidance with how to help their child. That being said, I don't wish for her child to have the same result as I did. I don't wish for anybody to regret transition or to detransition because it's incredibly difficult. It comes with its own difficulties and it's not easy. And I hope that her child gets to have a happy and fulfilling adulthood, however that may look like. That, that's your hateful cynicism. That's your hateful cynicism, folks. That's what Jerry Nadler says doesn't exist. It's outrageous. It comes with its own, and it shouldn't be a surprise, political philosophy. They may not know it, but this whole notion of overcoming nature and that humans, much less Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen-year-old humans can overcome nature, and parents are confused, of course, and they talk to a medical expert or an expert who claims medical expertise or a practitioner who claims medical expertise in this field. And you think about the abuses of medicine over the course of history. You think particularly about the abuses of psychotherapy and psychiatry. That's a phrase, the abuse of psychiatry, that came out of the experience of the Soviet Union where if you didn't think right, you were mentally ill 
you were punished for it. But I bring up the Soviet Union because there is a political philosophy that says you can overcome nature and that it is the important thing to do. It is your self-fulfilling thing to do. It's from Karl Marx. You can get it in the Communist Manifesto where he talks of nature as a selfish misconception. You can get it from his Poverty of Philosophy where he says history is nothing but a transformation should be seen as nothing more than a transformation of human nature. You can get it from his essays where he speaks of nature as the totality of needs and drives. There is a philosophy that backs this up, which is why Whitaker Chambers, in his brilliant opening to the book Witness, his book Witness, asks how is it good people could believe in these philosophies, the philosophy of communism, the philosophy of Marxism. And he says, it should be no surprise, it is our second oldest faith, that we can be as gods, ye shall be as gods. It is man's second oldest faith. And look what you do when you torture and run children through that gauntlet. Their voices need to be heard, and this nonsense needs to stop. It's not just long-term psychological nonsense. It's not just long-term physical nonsense. It's acute, or it can be acute as well. You had a testimony from um, a sexual assault survivor who was told, Miss Scanlon, Paula Scanlon, who was told by the Penn Swim team officials that she needed psychological services so that she could get comfortable, so that she could get comfortable undressing in front of boys and having them undress in front of her and her teammates at the University of Pennsylvania. That was what health services and the Penn swim team was doing to accommodate this latest junk thought. And that's what it is. It's junk thought. That they need psychological help to become comfortable with that which they are naturally uncomfortable with because they should be uncomfortable with it. We've moved an awfully long way, and we've come an awfully long way from the children's movement and even the feminist movement of the 60s and 70s where we were supposed to be proud of who we were and the way we were born and our bodies to when you have in the blink of an eye or even just a passing evanescent thought that you might want to be because of the social contagion and suggestion of all this, something of the other sex, all effort will move to make that happen. And we're reaping a whirlwind over it. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's that. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which may have led to a Biden presidency, the vets at Midas Gold Group believe your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, 
and reduced purchasing power. And their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you already know and trust the veterans at Midas Gold Group, as I do. They're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. You can call the Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. David, you were saying something on the break to me about something you heard. Was it on Mr. Kirk's show he was talking about? Yeah, actually, I caught it this morning. Um, and, you know, just... It really hit me because we were talking about this issue and that these are really being uh, – it's child abuse. What we're doing here is uh, attacking kids at a young age. And now apparently – and I'm, gee, I went to summer camp when I was little. Did you go to summer camp? A little bit, Best, yeah. best years of my life. Not best that. Weeks it, they were life. not, but the, I went to summer camps. <laughs> I had best different, weeks of my life. <laughs> different experiences life. for me. Yeah. But um, <laughs> now – uh, young parents are sending their young children yeah. to uh, summer camps designed to uh, initiate them, yes. I guess you might say, yes. as, as the queer leaders of tomorrow. And there was a, a video caught by our friends at Libs of TikTok um, uh-huh. that Charlie Kirk was viewing this morning okay. of a, a counselor. Um, These are transgender youth camps. I, I guess so, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really understand what. So there's that going on. There's these transgender youth camps. It's, that, it's indoctrination. Of I course mean, it is. We could go back to what happened in Germany from 1939 to 1945 and see examples of what indoctrination camps will do to well, people. Well, you always need a youth movement to support these noxious ideologies. Leftist that's, ideologies that's, always uh, have youth they, movements. Uh, they absolutely do. There was a you know Hitler youth. There's a, a Maoist youth, of course, Chinese Communist Party. There's always a youth movement because there's always the use and abuse of children. For these political purposes, and it's the mark, it's 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 the mark one might think of insanity, but it is the mark of history, where adult, as Hannah Arendt put it, who studied totalitarianism, put it in the 1950s, where children, where children are used to play out the games, the political gamesmanship of the adults, and it's an awful thing to do. But yes, there is that going on these these um, these these summer camps that are open about it. But then there's another element to this, which is our, which is the summer camps and schools, but summer camps that commit to hiding from the parents the efforts of children who want to experiment with transgendering and transgender ideation in their summer camp experiences. And the irony, the evil irony of that the evil irony of that is you go back and listen to what Jerry Nadler said in the in the hearings today and he said what republicans want to do is take these decisions away from parents and their children <laughs> they really need to go outside and get their story straight that's what they need to do is it that parents have a say or is it that parents don't have a say because when you listen to Joe Biden or when you listen to the NEA or you listen to the AFT on this issue, they will say and these schools will brag and boast about keeping this information away from parents, whether kids are using different names or changing their clothes or experimenting with a transgender experience during the school day, that they will commit to keeping it from the parents. Well, is it the parents and child's decision or is it not? 
And now you have these summer camps saying the same thing. And you have the, shall we say, political Kant, Kant of Jerry Nadler. Anything they will use, any, 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 any harbor to argue for this most radical of experiments on our children. Most radical of experiments on children who don't know anything about anything, but we are pushing and allowing to make the most dramatic changes, not only to their immediate livelihoods, or excuse me, not only to their immediate lives, but to their lives for the rest of their lives, as Chloe Cole testified. I'll say it again. It's barbarism. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. I'm playing some of this because few others will. I remember when this issue started, I knew we were in for it. It was uh, January 2017, a mere just about six years ago, right? And um, National Geographic did a whole, their January 2017 issue on the issue of transgender children celebrating it. They put a nine-year-old, they put a nine-year-old transgender child on the cover. And um, nine-year-old, you think about what wisdom nine-year-olds have, what decisions they should be empowered to make. A nine-year-old, and I wanted to talk about it on a few different talk radio shows other than my own. And a lot of people just didn't want to do it. They just didn't want to talk about it. They thought that this was a fad in a phase and it was a little too edgy. Be careful of... Be cautious about things that look potent and are dismissed as fads and phases on our own side and watch and get a sense of how faddish and phase worthy it will be by what the other side is saying. You know, you think some of these ideas are just nuts, but this is a nutty country now. It's an unmoored, untethered country now where enough people will take what we think is nutty and say, oh, you know, there's a point there. Yeah, this is is the wave of advanced thinking. Listen to the testimony of a therapist, Jennifer Bowens. It's more than just Chloe Cole. It stunned Bill Hemmer today on Fox News. He's a fairly stoic man, her testimony. Listen to this testimony. Uh, Dr. Bowens, last but not least, you may begin. Chairman Johnson, Ranking Member Scanlon, and members of the subcommittee, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. My name is Dr. Jennifer Bowens, and I'm a licensed therapist, clinical researcher, uh, currently serving as the director of the Center for Family Studies at Family Research Council. Based on over 25 years of experience as a clinician providing trauma therapy to children and as a researcher investigating the psychological effects of traumatic uh, stress, I'm here to express my concern about what has been termed gender-affirming care. I've considered it a privilege to practice, research, and train future clinicians and be a part of a discipline aimed at protecting and bringing healing to the most vulnerable in our society, which are children. But when it comes to gender transition procedures, my field is not operating as a helping profession. 
Instead, it is actively causing harm. Historically, children have been treated as a special and vulnerable class in the psychological and research fields. Caution has been applied to children in light of the fact that they do not have the neurological capacity to understand lifelong decisions. Professional and research ethics tell us that we should proceed very cautiously with regard to interventions for children when empirical evidence is weak or the research methods are in the early phase as with this case. We should avoid interventions that pose unnecessary risks, particularly when the symptoms are known to change with maturation. But risk avoidance is not what's happening with gender transition procedures. Instead, we have too many cases like Mike. Mike was nine years old when he first saw a gender therapist. I was deeply saddened when I read his gender therapist case notes where it was reported that Mike couldn't distinguish between fantasy and reality. Instead of investigating these symptoms, the therapist wrote in the treatment plan, um, which included puberty blockers, guidance on social transition, and education for future hormonal and surgical procedures. This treatment plan was enacted without regard for this child's known diagnoses of autism, possible OCD, and possible parental diagnoses, which were reported in the case notes. Mike is just one example of how so-called gender-affirming care is in direct opposition of, knowledge, of our knowledge regarding development and our understanding of good research and uh, treatment. And there are many reasons why I have concerns, but I'll just share a few with you. Uh, one, these interventions are being endorsed based on consensus, not evidence. Uh, in, the, in the case of gender-affirming care, the term evidence-based does not mean that this practice is standing on the merits of solid research findings addressing gender dysphoria. Instead, it refers to a vote by those who are ideological supporters of the practice. Compared to other psychological disorders found in the DSM-5-TR, gender dysphoria is currently uh, being treated with the most invasive, invasive interventions connected to a psychological issue with the lowest quality of evidence to support that practice. And two, the success rates of non-intervention for gender dysphoria for children already exceed what most psychological interventions have. In most cases, 85% or more of those experiencing gender dysphoria will desist if they are left alone. This is a higher rate than most well-established and researched psychological interventions. And with success rates this high, it is actually unethical to intervene. Three, the research and practice around this uh, issue does not properly account for competing diagnoses and variables. So in one example, a report from the USCLA Williams Institute found that 45% of transgender identifying people reported childhood sexual abuse. As a trauma clinician, I can tell you that when someone experiences sexual trauma, it is not uncommon for that person to hate parts of their body or want to get rid of those aspects of themselves that made them vulnerable to abuse. And four, it is often claimed that a failure to provide these interventions increases the risk for suicide. This approach is actually unethical, and it's a clear departure from the practice of empowerment hearing here. and self-management. Um, wow, Jackie, uh, the first two witnesses... Take your breath away. They really uh, Paula Scanlon is on the swim team, University of Pennsylvania, and then Chloe Cole, age 19, whose birthday is today. Yeah. Um, you don't get Bill Hemmer saying get your, you have hearings that take your breath away very often. I've never heard him say it. I've never heard him say it. 
but the Democrats just wish these cases away and wish these issues away. And you hear how this is done, this notion of evidence-based. It's based on a vote. It's not based on sound research. It's not based on credible research. It's not based on empirical evidence. It's based on a vote. When science and medicine and health protocols are based on a vote, you're in new territory. I would have thought we would have learned our experiences from that during our COVID experience. And what was forced upon us because they were based on votes and based on political pressure and not based on empirical evidence. And when those of us raised the issue of empirical evidence, as you now see from court cases, as you now see from what was unloaded by Jim Jordan today, those of us who wanted the empirical evidence to speak over and against political power, censored, shut down, shamed, dismissed, and slandered as providing misinformation to the public. There's a tremendously powerful scene in old Paul Newman movie, The Verdict, where a nurse who this happened to, because of unethical doctors, screamed in court, who were these men? Who were these men? Who are these men? Who are these men? You think about bank failures and the stock market's volatility. You think about the talk of recession on the horizon. You know what inflation is doing, and you ask yourself where to go to invest. Why Refi has a really good answer, because they have a portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve with a high fixed rate of return. It's a portfolio where monthly income on or off, you can compound it, whatever you choose, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. There are no fees in this collateralized and secure portfolio from Y-Refi, and blessedly, they're headquartered here locally. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101, and they encourage you to stop by their offices. They promise you no sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign a thing. But when you do meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can and will Two, Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Perhaps can go without saying in this whole series of discussions we've been having the last uh, half hour or so, 40 minutes or so, that one feels terribly badly for these children. And one hopes no one scolds any of them or makes any of them feel poorly or badly about the angst they're in or going through. It's the adults here. That concern me. This is a time, a time in our world that is especially primed for the need of guidance, the important role of adulthood. Confusion regarding humanhood, confusion 
regarding nature, confusion, confusion regarding mental health, psychological well-being, abounds and requires a new, vigorous, and rigorous proper understanding. We are subjecting children to a dizzying array of confusing, confusing cultural signals. But we're the ones doing that. We're the ones providing that environment for them. We're the ones giving the confusion. We're the ones exposing, exposing them to that dizzying array. I want children to grow up healthy and happy, but I want adults to grow up right now, too. It's a weird thing to say, but adults need to grow up, too. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 